So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we have to glorify and honor the Lord Jesus Christ. For you alone are worthy of our praise. And we thank you for salvation in your name. We thank you for saving us. We thank you for the fathers who are present in this room today. And we thank you for the lasting impact of our own fathers and our fathers' fathers upon us. We pray that you'd bless the families of this church and that we might all truly find our way to speak to our children and our grandchildren and great-grandchildren about the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray today that you might give us a, a lack of distraction. We are distracted and needy and broken, burdened people, cares and worries fill our minds and our hearts. How we pray that today you might help us as we hear the truths of the Lord Jesus Christ and that they might bring real comfort and peace to us. And we thank you for this opportunity now to gather together and to worship. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us so that we might have peace and joy and love and serve you in our world in the days that you give us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you. I'm Pastor Mike. If you're a guest with us here today, we're honored to have you. Happy Father's Day to all of our fathers. And I hope that today will be a good day for you. If you have your Bibles, find your place as we continue to study the truths that last that are found in John's Gospel. So we look today in John chapter 13. John chapter 13. We're finishing a very important section. And if you've been with me the entire time... Uh, you've discovered some tremendous, very important truths that last. And we are now sharing these truths that last with the next generation. And many of our boys and girls who come week by week are getting to hear, uh, perhaps in the first time in some kind of order, all of these wonderful words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Truths that last are these words. All of the Lord Jesus' words are truths that last. But he, he sometimes draws a conclusion or begins a discussion with these very important, this very important phrase, truly, truly, amen, amen. Uh, this is a certainty is what truly, truly or amen means. <clears throat> Today we have a significant uh, transition taking place in the Gospel of John. So let me uh, just do some technical things here to just remind you of the way that the Gospel of John is laid out. <clears throat> John said in John chapter 1, verse 14, we beheld, we saw, speaking of the apostles, we saw the glory of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> we saw the glory of Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the Messiah. We saw His glory, glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This entire gospel is a display of the glory of Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world, as the Messiah of the world, the promised Messiah, <clears throat> and His life was filled, His ministry life on the earth was filled with grace and truth. And He is still the, the Lord Jesus, full of grace, our gracious High Priest, our Lord, our Savior, for our, all of us who believe. The sadness in John's Gospel is, is that he reminds us of a very important reality that most of the people who heard Jesus Christ speak and most of the people who saw what he did rejected him. Now I want you to think about that. Oh, people will say, well, if, if I could see Jesus Christ and I'd believe in him, would you? Many, many, many heard him preach. Can you imagine hearing the words of the Lord Jesus Christ? And many, many, many saw 
even as the most dramatic we saw last week in John 11, he raised someone from the dead. In fact, that happened several times. Lazarus. So all the people are, are crying out in John 12, all the Jewish people, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, save us, save us. They're honoring the Lord Jesus with their mouths that he is Messiah. The Greeks are coming to him, uh, saying to the disciples, sirs, we wish to see Jesus. And the Lord says, John 12, 23, truly, truly, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. And if it dies, it bears much fruit. So the first 12 chapters of John's Gospel are Jesus Christ revealing Himself to His own uh, fellow Jewish people. <clears throat> John says in John chapter 1, He came to His own. He came to His own Jewish people and His own people rejected Him. But to as many as received Him or believed in Him, He gave them the right to become children of God, even to those who call upon His name. So the first 12 chapters have to do with the Jewish people rejecting Jesus Christ as Messiah and Lord. And we'll, we'll come to this ending here in just a moment. I want to read it. But then we have these precious words. in John. There's a change in John chapter 13. John takes us now into that upper room to hear some of the most glorious words that have ever been spoken. The Lord Jesus now shifts His focus to, to remind His disciples and all of us who call ourselves disciples here this morning and all of you listening to me uh, online that uh, He reveals His glory to His disciples and He does it in a very different way. Uh, not in acts of power, but in His words. His words become very important to disciples. And then finally, in John chapter 18 through 21, He reveals His glory to the world in that He he is ridiculed and he is mocked. He is lacerated and beaten to a pulp and dragged, to a, dragged from court to court and then given a cross to bear, dies on the cross, is raised from the dead and ascends to heaven. Praise the Lord. But he demonstrates his glory as the Lord Jesus Christ because he was buried. He was, excuse me, he was crucified on, and then on the third day he rose again and that's the gospel. So this morning we have this uh, strange transition. I'm going to read this together. I want to read this as a, as a unit, and it's going to take just a few minutes to do it. I hope you keep your copy of God's Word open. You're going to need it today as we go along. Our focal truth this morning will be this, that Christ's followers, those who follow Jesus Christ, those who are disciples, those who are believers in Jesus Christ, Christ's followers, serve others like Jesus served them. Christ's followers serve others like Jesus served them. And that'll be our lesson today. That'll be our focus. But we need to read these words. So the Lord Jesus uh, has spoken to, uh, spoken as we saw last week in John 12, about His own death. The, uh, the grain of wheat must fall into the ground and die, verse 24 of chapter 12. And it, if it remains alone, it, if it dies, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. And then we're reminded in verse number 37, as the Lord begins to talk about His death with the crowd, the crowd didn't understand it, they rejected Him. But now we find these sad words. These things Jesus spoke, verse 36, and He went away and hid Himself from them, hiding Himself from the unbelieving Jews who wished to kill Him. 
And then we read these, these terribly sad words. They're still true for this very day in which we live. As I speak to you, this is true of the majority of the people who live on the face of this earth. I don't know if it moves you. I don't know if anything moves you. I don't know if anything would touch your heart, but when you read these words, there's a sadness in them. John 12, 37, But though He had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in Him. And then John goes on to describe, because this was to be prophesied, that the mass majority would have eyes to see, but not be able to see, and ears to hear, but not hear. And then we come to these amazing words, and John concludes with these words, and Jesus cried out. There are only a few times in the gospel where Jesus Christ cries out. Here we see this. This is not a desperate cry. This is not a begging cry. This is a cry to the unbelieving, both of the Jews of His own day, but listen, this is a cry embedded in the Word of God for every generation of unbelievers. Here is the cry of Jesus Christ. Here is the cry. Preachers must learn to cry. Give the cry of the call of the Lord Jesus just as He did. Oh, He cried on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Oh, He cried on the cross, I thirst. When he was in agony, in dying as the Savior of the world, whether people believed or did not believe, he cried, but now he cries. And Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me and does not, be, and does not, believe, excuse me, does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. He who sees me sees the one who sent me. I have come as a light into the world, so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. If anyone, please notice this now, Dear, dear friends, I've been speaking to you about the words of Jesus for so long. Listen, listen to the words now. Listen, read what he is saying here. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I do not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me, please notice, and does not receive my sayings, has the one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. For I did not speak, notice again, talking about his words. I did not speak on my own initiative. But the Father himself who sent me has given me, notice, a commandment. As to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. These are the eternal words of God sent and put on the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ who was sent to speak to us eternal life. His words are eternal life. And how sad it is that the majority of the world today does not even know, nor have they ever heard the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the job of the church. So he cries out. And then we go on and read. And I point this out to you now as we go along because now there's such a change. How does the Lord Jesus now demonstrate to his disciples? Now I'm speaking to you who are disciples today. I assume you know the Lord Jesus Christ. Those of you listening, if you don't and you're not saved, then this will be an example to you of what Jesus Christ has demonstrated as his glory. So what does the Lord Jesus do? First of all, to demonstrate his glory as the Son of God, the Messiah, to His own disciples, after they've seen all of His ministry, all of His power, all of His glory, what does He first do? 
We begin reading now in John 13, 1. Now, before the, before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that His hour had come, that He would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray Him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands and that He had come forth from God and was going back to God, He got up from supper and laid aside His garments and taking a towel, He girded Himself. Five. Then He poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which He was girded. Then we pick up in verse number 12. So when He had washed their feet and taken His garments and reclined, at the table again, he said, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Now we come to our first truly, 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 I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who, sent, who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. I do not speak of all of you. I know the ones I've chosen, but it is that the Scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. From now on, I am telling you before it comes to pass, so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. And we come to our final truly, truly in this section. Truly, truly I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word. And may the Holy Spirit now, during these very important moments, teach us, convict us, reveal to us the glorious truths of the Lord Jesus Christ for our generation and for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have four observations I'd like to make from these verses, especially verses 12 through 20. Number one, Christ followers, that is, followers of Jesus Christ, serve others like Jesus served them. This is the norm. This is the expectation of all who are followers of Jesus Christ, who are saved. Secondly, Christ's followers serve Jesus Christ as His slaves. Christ's followers, followers of Jesus Christ, serve Jesus Christ as His slaves. Uh, thirdly, Christ's followers are sent to serve others. Followers of Jesus Christ are sent to serve others. And finally, whoever accepts the service of one of Christ's followers receives service from Jesus and the Father. Well, these words become very important for us in our lives. And they demonstrate, as I've said before, <clears throat> for those of us who are believers, the first very important reality of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Boys and girls who are here today, so in the, in the ancient world, you know, they, many, and you've seen pictures of this, and and your teachers have talked to you about it. Most of the roads, they had some roads that had rocks on them and they made them where there was a pavement. But most of the roads, 
in the old world of Jesus Christ's time were dirt roads. And so it would get muddy. They, they have to walk through different kinds of uh, things. The animals are on the roads. It's a little messy. So you don't want to go in the house with messy feet. So like we come in and wash our hands, it's important also in the old world, you had to wash your feet. And so it was given the job, if, the, if a home had someone who was a servant, they would, that was their job. You come to the door and you come to the opening of the house and someone washes your feet before you go in. If there wasn't a servant, then it was given to someone in the family. Their, their job was to do this task of washing someone's dirty feet. So they've gathered now at the Passover and the Lord Jesus of first priority. Of first priority. He, as we read here, he takes his outer garment off so he can bend over there and, and he ties the towel there and he pours the water and he goes one by one to each of these 12 disciples. We learn first of all from the Lord Jesus. So then the Lord Jesus sits down after he washes their feet. I come back now to verse 12. So when he had washed their feet, he got his garments on, he sat back at the table and he said to them, do you know what I've done? I asked this church this morning, do you know what Jesus Christ was doing by washing their feet? Do you understand? Do you understand what the Lord Jesus is demonstrating through the washing of these disciples' feet? It's a very private time as only these disciples are there with the Lord. The crowds are gone now. No more noise and distraction around. They're in this a special upper room, this special place they're going to be with the Lord to hear some of the most amazing words ever heard and they've passed them on to us. Thank the Lord. The Holy Spirit gave us the, the privilege of reading these words. Uh, John's there living it. So are Peter and the others, they're all experiencing this and now we get to read it and we get to experience it these many generations later. So the Lord says, um, do you know what I have done to you? Do you know why Jesus washed the disciples' feet? You call me teacher and Lord, verse 13, and you are right, for I am. I am your teacher, and I am your Lord. But then he goes on in verse 14, if, conditional, if I then, the Lord, and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. So the Lord Jesus is serving His own followers. Is this not the wonderful, blessed way of our Lord? He serves His followers. The glorious Lord Jesus serves His followers. Go back there to the beginning of chapter 13. Notice, He serves them in love. Look at verse number 1. Now before the feast of Passover, Jesus knowing, the Lord Jesus knew what was about to happen. He knew it all. Oh, can you imagine what it would be? Sometimes people say, boy, I wish I could know the future. Do you really want to know the future? Do you really? The Lord Jesus knew everything that was about to happen to Him. To His last breath. He knew what was about to happen. Knowing, knowing that His hour had come that He would depart out of this world to the Father. Please notice this. Having loved His own who were in the world with Him, He loved them to the end. You see, in love, the Lord Jesus, listen, in love He served, in love He served His disciples. 
In grace He served His disciples. Because you see, verse number 2, the devil having already put in the heart of Judas to betray Jesus Christ, oh, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to wash the feet of the betrayer, but also to wash the feet of His disciples who did not understand. Look at the grace of the Lord, verse 3. Jesus knowing, a second time, Jesus knowing that the Father had given Him all authority. He had all authority. The Lord Jesus was the Son of God. He was God in flesh. He had all authority. was in His hands. He could have called 10,000 angels, but He did not. And he, that, that He had come forth from God, verse 3, and was going back to God, He knew this, but in grace, what does He do? The one with all authority, the one who had a perfect, united relationship with God, being God, the holy glory and the mystery of our triune God, Father, Son, Spirit. Now this one who has all authority, who is Lord of all, becomes the greatest servant of all. And immediately, knowing this, what does He do? Does He say, well guys, I've really got a hard thing ahead of me. I really need some of your support. I need you to gather around me and pray for me. No, he gets up. Knowing all these things, verse number 4, he got up from supper. This is a very important thing about what it means to be a servant. You've got to get up and do something. You don't sit around and think about it. You get up. Got up from the supper. And in his wonderful way, he shows this wonderful example. What a beautiful picture. Washing their feet. Washing their dirty feet. You get up and you wash feet. You get up and you wash feet. What must I do, Lord? You get up today, Mike, and you wash feet. You get up and wash feet. And we're reminded in Philippians chapter 2, he emptied himself taking the form of a bond servant. That's who... That's who does this. Bond servants wash feet. Slaves wash feet. And he says, Paul says he emptied himself taking the form of a bond servant, being made in the likeness of men. And then what did he do? He died. Well, Christ's followers, number one, serve others like Jesus served them. Number two, I want you to see this. Christ's followers serve Jesus Christ as his slave. Then we come to this truly, truly statement. This is a very important one for all of us. This is, a, this is a statement now that rings through time to this generation of followers of Jesus. That's who I'm speaking to today. The change has come now. Now I begin to speak to us as brothers and sisters in Christ. The Lord has some very important things to speak to us. And now He talks to us about this very important truth that you are a slave and that you're a sent slave. He says here, Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master. Remember your position. Nor is the one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. Remember, you have an assignment. If you know these things, if you know these things, what things? The things in this verse, verse 16. If you know these things, hear the word of God, hear the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are blessed if you do them. So we talk for a moment about what it means to be a slave of Jesus Christ. I oftentimes think about this as, you know, being a slave of Jesus Christ, I just quickly would say to you, is it's voluntary submission to the will of the Lord Jesus Christ for life. It's lifetime voluntary submission to Jesus Christ. You say, you are my master, 
and I am your slave. You see, being a follower of Jesus Christ and being a slave of Christ means that you willingly obey. You willingly, you willingly obey. You do not fight the Lord. You willingly obey His commands. Listen to me. In everything in your life. Being a slave of Jesus Christ is a forsaking of my own past and my own rights. A surrender completely of my own rights and yielding them all to the Lord Jesus and to His rights. Those three things describe what it is to be a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember having a visit with one of our own brothers and we were talking about here in our church a, um, a while back and uh, he was concerned, he, he was troubled that I would speak so strongly about the fact that we are slaves of Jesus Christ. And he was being genuine about it. He said, well, you know, just later on here in John, the Lord says, well, you know, I don't call you slaves anymore. I call you friends. Yes. Because I tell you what I'm doing. That's exactly right. We're friends of God because we've been reconciled to God. Praise God. Uh, he said, but, you know, and I'm also a child of God. I mean, even John says in, in his uh, letter, he says, you know, what manner of love has the Father given that we should be called children of God and such we are? Yes, we are children of God. But you see, as a child of God and a friend of God, I rightfully yield myself and become the slave of Jesus Christ. Did you know? Did you know that was the, that was the way that our dear spiritual fathers spoke of themselves? I'm not going to read all of it, but Paul said. He said it numerous times. Listen, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. You know what Peter said? The one who earlier here had another dramatic moment. You ever notice how many dramatic moments Peter had? He was Mr. Drama, wasn't he? No, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. Really? Okay, Peter. Here we got to have another little lesson for you. A lesson within the lesson. You don't seem to get it. If I don't, have, if I don't wash your feet, you're not one of mine. Okay, then just pour the water all over me. Didn't he say, just wash me off. But listen to me now. Peter said, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. What did James say? Oh, shall I remind you? James was the brother of the Lord Jesus. I said, James was the brother of the Lord, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. What did Jude say? A bond slave of Jesus Christ. And what did John, this dear, wonderful apostle, say of himself in Revelation? Bond slave of Jesus Christ. Pastors are called bond slaves of Jesus Christ. I stand here before you. I try to, I'm an imperfect example, but I seek to be. And I will pledge the rest of my life as best I can to be a bond slave of Jesus Christ. Will you? Will you? You see, the Lord Jesus wants us to know that a slave is not greater than a master. You're not a master, you're a slave. And you voluntarily now, because you're a child of God, born again, reconciled to God, all the wonderful things we've talked about many, many times together. Because of that now, what do I do? I come back and I surrender to the Lord and say, I am your slave for life. Do you live with that kind of attitude? Or are you still living in arrogance like everybody else is supposed to serve you? Well, you see... Christ followers serve others because we have the example of the Lord Jesus Christ who served us even to His death and still serves us now as our great high priest in glorious heaven in His new ministry. 
uh, which we talked about before. Christ followers serve Jesus Christ as slaves. I'm trying to make an impact today. While lots of people don't want to use these words, these are the most important words for your identity because they describe, they describe that you have truly yielded your will to the Lord Jesus. You know, what, you know what demonstrates you've yielded your will to Jesus Christ? When you say, I am now your slave. You can do, I've been bought with a price. I am now the servant of Jesus Christ for the rest of my life. Thirdly, Christ's followers are sent to serve others and to serve the Lord in doing what He says. There are so many linkages to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in John 12, verses 44 to 50. I'm not going to go back through them, but you see it all through the ministry life of the Lord Jesus. What did He say? I've been sent. I've been sent to say this. I've been sent to do this. I've been sent. I have come to seek and to save the lost. I'm sent. The Lord Jesus, the strongest understanding in His mind was His sense of mission and purpose. And I fear that many in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ have no sense of purpose. Do you know that you've not been sent, my friend? You are now to be a sent slave for Jesus Christ. Christ's followers are sent to share the gospel. What did the Lord tell us? Go and make disciples. Go, go, go. Keep going. Go when you're sick. Go when you're few. Go when you're many. Go when you're happy. Go when you're sad. Go make disciples. Go when you have a lot. Go when you have nothing. Go. That is the command of our Lord. Go, but we sit. We complain. We murmur. We disobey. The slave is not greater than his master, nor the one sent greater than the one who sent him. You know, it's interesting to me. Sometimes I've been sent by the Lord and I spend more time talking about myself than about the Lord. By the way, just an idea. Most people get really tired of you talking about yourself. Just thought I'd throw that in. Just a pastoral thought. They get real tired of it quick. We must make much of Jesus Christ in our lives. Not everything else. You sit down with somebody else and you're complaining about everything in the circumstances, why don't you give glory to God and speak about the Lord Jesus Christ? Christ's followers are sent to serve one another. Oh my, here we go. You mean I got to serve Him? Yeah. You mean I got to serve her? Yes. Every last one of them. Service to all to whom we are sent. And there's a blessing, my dear friend, when you serve. That's why some of you aren't experiencing any joy in your life. You have no service in your life. It's all about everybody doing something for you or you spending your time critiquing everybody else. Christ followers, number one, serve others like Jesus served them. Christ followers serve Jesus as His slaves. We can make much of all of these principles. Christ followers are sent to serve others. You've been sent. You've been sent. You've been given your own amount of gifts. You've been given your own assignment. Just as I have a responsibility. I come here as your bond slave. I've been sent here. I'm not from here. I've been sent here. I am your bond slave, but I'm also the bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm using myself as an example because 
All of us who follow Jesus are bond slaves to one another, but you see, you must be willing to receive what this bond slave has come to say to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why won't you receive it? This is the point of verses 16 through 20, but especially verse 20 as he concludes. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send. Well, look, you may not have got the best deal, but look, the Lord sent me here, so here I am. I'm doing the best I can. And I'm not looking for compliments. I'm really not. My assignment is to come here to do what God put on my heart that I'm supposed to do. Sometimes I do it very in, without perfection, without, I, I fail, miserably do what's not right, do what I shouldn't do, but I'm seeking to be the bond slave of Jesus Christ to you as your pastor. But will you receive it? Will you receive it? If you don't receive what I have to say to you, did you know you're not receiving Jesus? Did you know you're not receiving God's will and purposes for your life? This is interesting. God sends special people. God sends special bond slaves to you for the perfect times in your life. Did you know that? But you must receive them. Wait a minute, this isn't about receiving Christ. This is about receiving those who come to minister to you. Well, I didn't ask them to come over here. Great. Who'd want to serve somebody like you anyway with that attitude? Oh, the Lord didn't say, guys, look, you know, if it's okay with you, I'd like to make my way around and wash your feet. He just started doing it. You see, the servant who's sent does what he's sent to do whether the people like it or not. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying today. Giving you some insight into what it means to do real ministry. All our ministry is serving because we're sent to do it to one another and to the world. Whomever, stay with me now, whoever, whoever receives me receives him who I send. And if you receive me, you receive the Father. When Paul the Apostle received his gift from Epaphroditus, remember he's in jail, and one of his prison epistles, we've been looking at it on Wednesday nights, the group with me in Philippians, he says at the end of that letter, wonderful word, he says in Philippians 4, 18, but I have received everything in full and have an abundance. What a blessing. Here's a man who's, here's Paul the apostle, sent to the nations and the Lord's locked him down in a jail. You think the Lord, you know, you think Paul ever wondered, is this it? Well, he's a slave of Jesus Christ. If, the, if Jesus Christ wants me in, in jail, instead of preaching on the streets and starting churches, then I'm in jail. He's the master, I'm the slave. He goes on and says, I am amply supplied, being received, having received from Epaphroditus what you have given to me, a fragrant aroma and an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. That's how beautiful it is when you, come, when you, as a sent slave of Jesus Christ, go do your ministry to someone else. It's like a fragrant aroma. Oh, what a, what a joy and a peace. What a fragrance comes to those who are served by those who are bond slaves of Jesus who will go when they're sent. Paul said in Galatians 4, now we don't know what his bodily problem was, but apparently whatever, bodily, whatever physical condition Paul had, uh, it was of such a way that it would set people back. They, were, they would be perhaps uh, uh, um, 
you know, distracted by his physical condition, Paul says in Galatians 4.14, I'm talking about now how to receive bond slaves of Jesus Christ. So here Paul comes with the, whatever his physical condition. He wasn't the prettiest boy. He wasn't a pretty boy. He wasn't a pretty boy for Jesus. He, he just kind of had an unimpressive presence when he came into, among people. He talked about that in the, to the Corinthians. But he says to the Galatian churches, you did not despise that which as a trial to you is in my bodily condition, nor express contempt for me in my bodily condition. Listen, this is an amazing statement. Galatians 4.14 But you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus Himself. That's what it means to receive bond servants of Jesus who come to you. He also says, um, also we have uh, the great story of Cornelius, the Roman soldier, you remember, who called his whole family together after, after the Lord spoke to him to call Peter to come see him. And Peter comes and Cornelius says, Listen, this is how you must receive the preaching of the Word of God from whomever the bond slave is who presents it to you. Now we are all present before God to hear everything that you have been commanded by the Lord. Now that is the way you come to listen to a sermon. So the Lord Jesus says here in these words to us, Truly, truly, I say to you, verse 16, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who sent him greater than the one who sent him. Verse 20, truly, truly, I say to you, these are words that last now, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Lord, I need, oh Lord, and we're on our knees, we're praying. Lord, I need, I need, and we've presented it here. And all of a sudden the knock on the door comes, the text comes, the email comes, and that bond slave of Jesus has come to your door and you say, not him! You didn't get that, did you? Not her! Is that the one you sent? Couldn't you do better than that? No, that's the one for you. That's the bond slave I've sent to you. Remember that day when that dear disciple in the book of Acts, one of my favorite stories, Paul, remember he's blinded now, he's sitting over there in that house, waiting. Remember, stay with me, I'm about done. And that dear disciple... Go down to the street called Straight and go lay your hands on, on, Paul, on Saul excuse me, and tell him, I have great things for him to do. And the disciple says, Lord, let me give you an update. Did you know he's really a bad guy? You sure about that? Yeah. Yeah, you go down there. That's your job. The one job he had that we're, that's recorded about him in the Gospels, what does he do? Brother Saul. Isn't that interesting? The Lord has sent me. Now, some of you in here, God's been trying to send you somewhere. Why won't you go? So there's some things we should remember today, and I must get to these. Uh, and I'm, I know that I've taken a little bit of time, and I know it's Father's Day. You've got pies and cakes and everything else to eat, but that's all right. You need to listen to the rest of this, and we'll be done. I love this church, and I love all of you. We are most like Christ when we are when we serve like Him. This is, this is what the world must see. You go serve somebody who doesn't want to be served. 
You don't ask them. You do what the Lord commands you to do. Just do it. Take off your garments. Get your pride aside. And go do what you're supposed to do. Don't, don't pray and tell the Lord, Lord, do you know who this person is? Well, of course the Lord knows. That's why He's sending you to them. We are most like Christ when we serve like Christ. Following Christ is voluntary life service. Your service to the Lord Jesus doesn't have a term. Like, well, I'm going to serve Him when I retire. I'm going to do... No, you're never going to retire. You're going to do it until you're dead. I'm going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ all the days of my life. Can you say that today? Are you ready to do that? That's what we signed up for when we said, You are Lord. Serving others is our first duty as a disciple. By the way, I pointed out here in the order of John's gospel, what's the first thing the Lord Jesus Christ wanted these disciples to know about His glory? Him getting on the ground and wiping their feet and washing them. Servanthood. That's our first duty. And those are most blessed who serve most. Those are most blessed who serve most. And I hope that's you. I hope that's you. Those are most blessed who are not served. Those are most blessed who serve the most. So as you come to your own decisions today and you hear the Holy Spirit's words from these, what do we do with all this? We'll serve others as Christ served you and serve those to whom the Lord sends you. Some of you need to leave this place. You know your assignment. Go do what the Lord told you to do as a bond slave. Go do your job. Some of us are being called out. There's always those being called out to be a missionary, to go and preach the gospel, uh, to pastor, to do ministry. You're being called out. Why do you refuse to do what God calls you to do? He's calling you to do some kind of ministry or work at your job. He's calling you to do something in a special way with your family. You see, you have a responsibility to do what your master tells you to do because He has a grand plan for all of the world. He is sending us now. He's sending us. He's sending us during our days. The days are coming to a close. The end is near, whether the news wants to say that or not. While the world promises a great future, the Word of God says it's nearing, it's coming, it's about to be done. The Lord is seeking to send His disciples, but some don't go. Submit yourself as a lifelong servant of Jesus Christ and serve Him. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. Now listen to me as I read this lengthy hymn to you. I couldn't pick one section. I'm going to read the whole thing to you because you need to hear it. Such a wonderful hymn for what we've heard today. And I hope it will bless you. Some of you know it very well. And like me, you, you, you've, sang, you've sung this song in your days of growing up as a believer. So send I you. So send I you, believer, to labor unrewarded. So send I you to serve unpaid, unloved, unsought, unknown. So send I you to bear rebuke, to suffer scorn and scoffing. 
So send I you, listen, to toil for me alone. So send I you to bind the bruised and broken, or wandering souls to work, to weep, to wake, to bear the burdens of a world aweary. So send I you to suffer for my sake. So send I you to loneliness and longing with heart, a hungering for the loved and known, forsaking home and kindred, friend and dear one, so send I you to know my love alone. So send I you to leave your life's ambition, to die to dear desire, self-will resign, to labor long and love where men revile you, So send I you to lose your life in mine. So send I you to hearts made hard by hatred, to eyes made blind because they will not see, to spend though it be blood, to spend and spare not. So send I you to taste of Calvary, as the Father has sent me, so send I you.